are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. So I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think expands the conversation about meaningful and productive work. And I often draw on the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as my own experience in consulting, including the work that I do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a second, but first a thank you to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Great partnership. Last week, if you missed the show live, you can always catch the podcast. We were on the air with Lucien Fogoros, who is the co-founder and managing director of IIOTWorld.com. They are a digital media platform that covers the economic and technological implications of the transformation taking place as IIOT proliferates throughout the, throughout the enterprise. We talked about the work he and his team at IIoT World do that combines journalistic coverage with data analytics to expose the stories, players, trends, and innovations that shape the IoT space, and also the goal to get to a state of what Luchin called predictive maintenance. It was a fascinating conversation that certainly gave me a whole new process to be able to look through IoT and how it really relates to everyday business. With us this week is Isaac Alfton. He is the founder and CEO of TriggerGive, which is an online social media-driven mechanism that makes giving to your favorite charities even easier. We'll be talking about how Isaac got the idea to start TriggerGive, what is happening in the charity donation arena, and just what his, what this lifelong entrepreneur has learned along the way of developing this venture. Isaac joins today from Dallas, where it's a nice, wet, rainy, soggy day. Isaac, welcome to Working on Purpose. Hey, Elise. Thanks for having me. Uh, appreciate it. Absolutely. We were talking before we came on air that you've had a pretty good day slash week. So before we get into what you're up to and even your background, what what's up? What's going on? What's so good about your day? Uh, today, right now, we are in the last day or two of quality testing a big uh, our big first like, integration that we can be public with and tell everyone about. So to make it simple and short, we help nonprofits raise donations on social media. Um, all those nonprofits use a CRM company, a software company, to manage all of their internal nonprofit-specific functions. We're now integrated with one of the biggest ones where when they log into their system, we're going to be right there ready to click and join us. So almost immediate access to almost 3,000 nonprofit organizations. So it's been a really big deal for us. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations, Isaac. I'm so thrilled that I get to be part of the moment to help you celebrate that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks. We've been working on it furiously for about six months or so. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Well, if if you are a person who who likes to have a glass of wine or a champagne, here's it or cheers, a virtual cheers for you. Yeah, thank you. I think that's in the plan for later tonight after the show. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. Well, I want to get to what you're doing at Trigger Give, but I think it's it's important first to give our listeners a bit of context about you. You are obviously a bit of a serial entrepreneur, and so before we talk about Trigger Give, would you say a little bit about your professional background before you started this 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 organization? Sure. Um, pretty non-traditional, I think. I guess because. I don't really have a real professional background. Uh, I graduated from Baylor with a business degree in uh, 07, right at the height of the recession. Right. And it was really hard, really hard to find um, any work I thought was worthwhile doing. So kind of just gave up and have always hustled, done my own thing. Investments, helped out other people doing startups. And then, um, you know, my wife and I had, she had one, one company become really successful helped run that from the business side and the strategy side. So from a professional development side, I guess, way to look at it, I've always kind of done my own thing so far. So I not, really, I'm not from the corporate world. Yeah, I really applaud that. A couple of things I just have to call out about that experience, Isaac. One, way to make lemonade out of lemons, right? Um, <laughs> and and two, I really appreciate that you know you went out into the job space in 07 in the in the height of the recession and you just made it work. And I think it, is that not the epitome of an entrepreneur, somebody who is in many ways, well, in your case, encouraged or perhaps forced to be self-employed because of the marketplace. But maybe too, you're just you were you you went to business school, so clearly you have business acumen. Maybe you were supposed to be an entrepreneur. What what do you think? Which one is it? Nature or yeah. nurture? I, I, obviously, that's a pretty big topic for the business world. I think it's a mix of both. Some people okay. are just born with it innate. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also need to learn the language of business just because you are a hustler and you know want to go out and make money and work real hard. Um, you need to understand finance and accounting and the language of business and how to raise funds and the operational side and marketing and you know the more technical aspects. So I think it's a mix of you're born with it and you can learn it, but I'm glad it worked out this way. I'm glad I didn't go right from undergrad to corporate and, you know, work in a cubicle for the last 10 years. It's definitely been a wild ride, but given us opportunities, given me opportunities that were just, it never have happened if, uh, had I been stuck in a cubicle. Mm-hmm. Got that. And I'm wondering too, if it would have, wouldn't maybe have elicited the, the creativity that, has helped trigger give come alive. So uh, who knows, right? Um, yeah. I also think the whole notion of just having to do something, having to hustle sometimes just puts us in a place where we have to be creative. So let's talk about trigger give. Trigger give. I, I find it quite fascinating how the whole thing came into being. So would you tell the story? First, say a little bit more about what is trigger give. For, for our listeners who maybe are having a hard time really understanding what is this thing, if you could presence that a bit for them and then tell us the story of how it came into being. Yeah, uh, simple, simple top-down version. We let you give uh, to nonprofits on social media. So on Twitter, you can donate with a hashtag. We're we're on Twitter right now, and we're building out Facebook. So it's it's as simple as that. Any organization that we partner with, whether it's your church down the street or a big national organization, if you want to donate to them and make it public and help raise awareness. At, um, you can make a donation with a hashtag. 
So somebody like me who loves to use social media to interact with people literally all over the world. In fact, many of my radio show guests have come from social media. Thank you very much. Love it. So I'm on social media, and let's say I want to give money to the Red Cross. So I go on to Twitter, and and I say, uh, what do I do? Um, Well, right now, like with this partnership we just did, we pivoted somewhat, and up until now, you could give to any organization you wanted. So... Up to yesterday, if you wanted to, Cortez would just say, hashtag trigger give. And you, if you were already registered with us, it would be a thing where we would just credit or debit your uh, Stripe account, your credit card, and take care of the back end transferring and send the money to Red Cross. If you weren't signed up, you would just get a prompt right on social media like, hey, you're almost done. Click here to you know, finish your details. Got uh, it. The service is only going to be available to organizations that are signed up with us to begin with. Um, But we're going to use those donations as a way to entice them to join the group, our our company. So if Red Cross isn't signed up, we'd send an email or call them and say, hey, police, would you be interested in signing up with Trigger Give? Hopefully they say yes, because then they, you know, Run the stream, and if not, then we have to send your money back. Got it. Okay. All right. You you were cutting a little bit in and out of there, Isaac. So I don't know if you're if you can help that at all where you're where you're coming where you're calling in from, but cutting out a little bit. But let's 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 give our listeners the story of how Trigger Give Trigger Give was born. Yeah, Trigger. Um, just me sitting on social media like everybody else, uh, reading post after post, meme after meme, where you you type of response that you're so enraged with, usually political things, and you delete it. And then you type it again and delete it again. And then finally I just thought, you know what? That was such a stupid comment you made. I'm going to send a donation to the opposing side. And I I did that for a while. (laughs) And then finally I was just like, there has to be a better way to do this. And then I thought, what if you could make a donation and show them? Your post, your meme, that thing that you put out there for the world to see, just triggered a donation to the opposing side. And like your your actions have consequences. So we started thinking about that, and then we figured, is there a way to you know build a business out of that? And that's that's where we started from about 18, 24 months ago, probably. Okay, a couple things about that, Isaac. So what I what I really also appreciate about what you're saying now that I'm hearing you say it just the way that you are now, because we talked a little bit about this on the phone the first time we spoke, um, is that it strikes me that you are you are encouraging more dialogue about issues because of what you're doing. I feel like that's that's good for democracy. I feel like that what you're doing here is you're giving a space, a platform, and a way for people to really vote with their dollars as well as their 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 voice, their words. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so we, cool. That is so we cool. We like to encourage healthy debate, for sure. Okay. Uh, another question I have for you is, I believe, so if, if this was 18 to 24 months ago, you would have been in your MBA program, which is, I think you were in Spain when you did that. And again, I'm jealous because I did live in Spain. It's fantastic. But what I'm wondering is, if it, while you were in that program, if there was if part of the fodder that came from from that group of being in that group contributed to Trigger Give? Uh, I certainly used resources from my MBA program, like nonstop. I could, you know, I had access to some of the smartest business people in the world that would normally charge 
$400 an hour for a consulting fee and I could, you know, bounce ideas off their heads or help them with business. They'd help me with business plan and stuff. So it was both the professors and the staff at, at my school in Madrid and my fellow students were a great sounding board. Some of it didn't translate as well, the cultural issue. Sure. Um, it, the schools in Spain and maybe 10 or 15% of the students were Americans and a lot of students from other parts of the world thought that the retaliatory aspect of politics, like they immediately think car bombs and yeah, it takes a different tone for them. And yeah, it's pretty understandable. So some people kind of didn't get it and others did, but that was just more of a cultural geographic issue. Mm-hmm. Got that. Yep. Well, you already told me not not just on the air here with everybody else listening, but before when we were before we got on the air, we were speaking just by phone, the two of us that you and at this for eighteen to twenty four months, and this is you know this is hard work. This is not for the faint of heart. So I, I'd like to know what your why is in Trigger Give, Isaac. Why is it so important that you throw all of what it takes to actually pull this off in your resources to create this offering? Yeah, I saw a problem. Uh, and I thought I had a really good solution and we just ran with it. And it became something I was passionate about. Um, making people, making a better transition for donations online, helping people's frustrations, um, helping nonprofits raise donations, raise awareness, engage their users. Uh, the more I got into it, the more passionate I got, but it started with just a simple problem and solution and, and then brainstorming after that. Hmm. Amazing. Really amazing. Well, uh, along those lines, it strikes me that e- e- there's a couple things that are at play for you. You've got the whole social media space, which, of course, I love and I'm intrigued with, too, and have benefited by so much. And then, of course, there's the notion of the, 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 the conversations that you're engendering around whatever issues that people are, are, are committed to or find important. And then, of course, there's the charities themselves. So I'm interested to hear, what have you learned about the charity space, the donation space, as you've gone through developing this this offering? It's definitely an industry ready for, uh, I think, new voices and some innovation. That's definitely. It's, it's changed quite a bit since, I, uh, since we started this, you know, development a year and a half ago, and most of that's from the election um, and the unexpected results, but... When we were pitching, when we were telling people what we're doing, there's a lot more um, people in the industry didn't accept it as much as I was expecting. And it wasn't from the nonprofits. The organizations loved it. Uh, but the, the kind of people that run the industry, the, the nonprofit journalists, the um, gatekeepers, if you will, there was a pushback on the idea that giving and donating should be butterflies and unicorns and everything should be happy and we were saying no sometimes you're really mad why don't we make the most of it you know sometimes you're just pissed off and it's okay to turn that into a donation and we got pushback from that and then after the election uh all those people were really mad and saw oh now i get it that makes perfect sense so that was kind of interesting to watch because that, that's happened more than a few times. What about the actual, you know, change is hard for every every organization and probably most human beings out there with the exception of, you know, a small percentage. 
I'm wondering, I think about how a lot of organizations will raise money. There's always that annual giving day. They do events. They go out and ask their donors for, for gifts. And what you're what you're asking, what you're offering, it is seems to me extremely novel and new. Have you found people like I think that's so cool, but I don't get it, or are they just like you know? Can can it can you get back to me when maybe it has even greater traction than it already does? Or what are you seeing for how how these or the the charity donations are leaning into your offering? Yeah, we've had it. It's the the reception's been great. Um, once people see it and get it. When you, when you see the hashtag and you look, oh, that caused the donation, now I get it. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, the reception's been really good. Uh, donors really like it. People really like being able to um, give publicly and help raise awareness. We, we've been surprised most by it's been a less retaliatory giving, more less of the I'm mad at you and I'm going to donate, and more of they saw something positive or they saw a news article and got triggered from that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as the organizations go, once they see what we can offer, the, the biggest thing has just been a trust gap. Um, we're a startup. We're new. We're young. They don't know who we are. Uh, it, it's a lot for them to ask their donors, hey, use this as a platform to send donations from us, you know, to us through these guys, and we trust them. So that's that was the biggest push for us to integrate with this partnership that we just announced because now we're basically you're cutting out there so now is a a good time for a break here Isaac so if you're talking hold your thought I'm Elise Cortez your host we've been on the air with Isaac Alfton who is the founder and CEO of Trigger Give which is an online social media driven mechanism that makes giving to your favorite charities even easier he joins us today from Dallas Texas we've been talking a bit about just where this idea came from and what he's beginning to do to open the channels to be able to give more money or more opportunities to give to charities stay with us we'll be right back after the break Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Life Radio with Victoriously Speaking helps you to see life's issues in a new light, offering insight, solutions, and resources in order to gain knowledge about a variety of life's issues. The stories will stir up some questions, tears, and or laughter, but hopefully it will change the way you look at your own life, situations, and the lives of others. Tune in to Life Radio in order to live independently for excellence on Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Isaac Alfton, who is the founder and CEO of TriggerGive. After one too many annoying political posts showing up on his social media feeds, he decided to do something about it. After being frustrated at nonstop political cheap shots on his social media feed, instead of replying with a witty comment, he just made a donation to the opposing side. That idea turned into TriggerGive, which lets users donate directly to nonprofits by simply using hashtags on social media. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So before we made our break there, Isaac, you were talking a bit about, you know, how maybe your platform is no longer, is not just for uh, retaliatory sort of giving. And what I was thinking about as you were talking is I can absolutely totally envision myself being on Twitter and seeing something that that strikes me or that moves me that I think that's interesting. I want to be part of that. I want to help that. And right there, right in the moment when I've just, I've just got a second, let me just do it before I think of anything else or it, it slips my mind. Is that is do you see that or is that is that part of the way people are using your your platform today? That's that's a hundred percent it. Yeah. Okay. Got we, it. I love that. The the retaliatory idea was you know that helped us build out the the platform and the technology. And what we found since launch is that people people will use it more um, due to the spontaneity. You can give to any anytime anywhere on your phone how easy and simple it is. You saw one thing that made, you know, I want to donate to them. Okay, bam. It, it takes four seconds. Okay, um, got it. And that's taken off, for sure. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, the next thing I want to get into is, you know, is your actual business model. I, I'm intrigued with what you're doing here, and obviously you're a guy who's gone to business school, and part of what we try to do on the show is to help people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and to give them some education about the way the world of work and business is actually run. So how would you describe your business model? How, how, does, how do you exist as a business? Yep, we uh, we have a subscription model. So any organization that wants to raise donations on the platform, it's a fixed set fifteen dollars a month for the uh, Twitter right now. And we're building out Facebook, and that'll probably be the same cost. So when we launched, we charged donors originally a dollar seventy nine a month, and the the service was free for the nonprofits. Um, we weren't anticipating getting any pushback from the organizations because it's free to them. You know, we thought who, what organization wouldn't get on board and, and push this to their supporters because it's free. It doesn't cost them anything. Um, but we found out after a couple months that a lot of orgs were kind of hesitant to be encouraging their donors and their supporters to pay for something additional. Um, and that was probably the biggest mistake we'd made. It was just not doing our due diligence to begin with. Um, in regards to the, the billing model and who should be paying it um, and the hesitancy that the nonprofits would have because they, they have to be really protective with their donors and look out for them. And we just didn't have enough trust built up 
you know, in the marketplace where they would recommend or endorse us and say, yeah, pay these guys a buck or two every month. So we changed to um, a subscription model uh, and just charged the nonprofits. And it's been basically a night and day difference on reception. So it's been great. It was a really good change. Interesting, Isaac. So that's your only form of revenue is that you, you the subscription price that your nonprofits pay you. Yep. It's, yeah, $15 for Twitter and we'll probably do two uh, two platforms Facebook and Twitter for like $25 when, when that gets finished being built out so it doesn't matter let's say that let's say the trigger give somehow manages to give XYZ charity you know 50,000 bucks for the month of November they still pay $15 to you correct doesn't matter wow we don't, man that's a good deal take, for them yeah we don't take a portion of the donation um it's important to us. It's not my money. It's not our money at all. Um, I, w- I would rather build the tool and have it be available to the donors and the orgs. Um, 15 bucks is a totally reasonable fee. It's, mm-hmm. usually, it's the cost of one donation. So if you're going to get more than one donation a month, you're in the money. Um, but that donation isn't mine. I want it to go do good and make you happy. So I don't want my fingers on it. I want it, I want it to go where it should go. So then you're in the business of enrolling a lot of charities into your, what I would call a movement. Yep. We need, we need orgs on the platform. Yep. Okay. Well, to that end, one of the other things I wanted to understand, you as somebody who's been creating and developing and evolving this business over the last 24 months here is, I'm interested to hear what it's taken to connect all the dots, if you will, to make Trigger Give actually work. So in other words, who have you had to enroll to really make this offering hum? My wife. <laughs> right, right, right. I got that. Okay. Yeah, my wife definitely more than anyone. Um, about a billion brainstorming sessions at all hours of the day and tons of notebooks with, you know, ideas and scratched out and start over. Um, she's definitely the biggest one. Um, we haven't raised venture capital. We've been approached. There's been interest, but we haven't done it yet. Um, and that, that limits what you can do. You know, I can't just go out and hire a handful of consultants or professionals and say, I want this and this is how I want it. And I want it done in a week. So we've had to do everything on our own pretty much. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's hard. I understand that. I really, I've, I, between 2006 and 2010, also right there in the middle of the the recession, I, with a business partner, launched an online feedback portal for the HR community. Now think about that. Mm -hmm. For that to work, it means people have to actually be hiring. Organizations have to hire, which wasn't really happening in that, at that time. So, and I understand we were doing everything, chief bottle washer, cleanup crew, evangelizer, marketing, bring the, the new clients on. I totally understand your world, and I really appreciate the work that it takes to, to make this thing work. Yeah, it's it's been a ton of work, a lot of hard work. Um, I, would, I would recommend, actually, I think it's been a positive to hold back on um, venture capital money or a bit, like a big seed round because it, it really forces you to get in the weeds, answer the questions. If I, if I had raised million bucks to begin with you wouldn't be forced to see the issues that are going to come up as a problem i wouldn't know the platform as well as i do i wouldn't know all the little bits of the finance or the accounting especially and our little marketing problems um and when it 
when all the answers come down to you at the end of the day, I think you're better off for it. Obviously, there's a point where you should take money and grow and scale because you, you, you might need to. Um, but I think a lot of startups raise too much money too soon. And then it's just the cool thing to do. And it, it, you really can kind of lose focus on if you're building a successful, sustainable company or not. Mm-hmm. I see this, Isaac. You really dilute the experience of, of really see, being connected to the marketplace in a way that, that really gives you a preview as to what does it need, what is it like, what would it like from you. And, and to that end, I, I'd like to hear, what are your customers saying about Trigger Gift? And, and let's, let's, let's hear that maybe if you can from both the, the donors themselves who are giving the money to charities as well as the charity organizations too. Yeah, I, I mean, just the word customer at first, the first six months from launch, our customers were the donors because they were the ones paying all of our right. revenues from them. They were, they were paying the bills. So that's where the focus was on donors. And they loved it. They thought it was really cool because they could go register one time and then give to all of the charities that they supported after registering just once. Um, I mean, usually when you donate on someone's website, you have to fill in 20 text fields and it's kind right. of a arcane process. And we really simplified that and gave them an uh, option to do a lot of good in a little amount of time with minimal input. Um, they really liked that. And now that we've switched where now my customers are the nonprofits, they love it too. Uh, one from this integration, because it's just really easy for them to click, click. Oh, cool. They have an account already. Um, but a lot of small and mid-sized organizations really thought that it would be a much bigger endeavor to start taking um, social media donations, that they would have to build something out or that, you know, they would need a tech person full time. Um, and that's just not the case. That's why we built the platform to really help small and mid-sized nonprofits. Um, it takes two minutes to sign up and you could be taking donations for your little, you know, church down the street and, Ten minutes from now, and then it would only cost you fifteen dollars a month. So there's very little input. There's very little effort to put into it. We take care of everything else. All mm. you have to do now is go encourage your supporters to give publicly if they if they choose to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I certainly get this again in part because I do a fair amount of of interacting interacting on social media. So I'm getting this, and I'm wondering as I listen to you talk about how you're enrolling small to medium sized um, organizations onto the platform, if you've got any plans to add any other functionality or any other offerings to Trigger Give, or what's coming down the horizon? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, we are building Facebook out right now. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned that. Yeah, it's, yep. a, it's a harder platform to work on, so it's taking us a little bit longer, uh, just in more work than the, the Twitter platform. Um, but that should be out within six months for sure. Uh, I would imagine a lot less than that, but at the latest six months. Um, and we're in the discussion phases, just shaking hands with a couple different uh, other CRM companies for integration, which would be great. Um, but right, we really wanted to just kind of focus on the one big partnership we have, make sure it's 100% quality tested and make it as good as it can be and perfect before we move on to the next thing. Mm. Makes they, sense to me. They took, a risk on, they took a risk on, you know, going with the little guys in the startup. So we 
we really want to make sure that we do it right before we try and juggle too many things at one time. Mm-hmm. I got that. I'm intrigued, and I don't know if you mean this from a technological Spanish point, Isaac, but you said that uh, Facebook is more complex or something along those lines than Twitter. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just less of an open platform. They have, when you go on your Twitter page, there's not that much stuff around it, right? Like not that many options and tools and widgets and other programs that take up your screen. When you're on Facebook, it's full of other things. And Facebook has a lot more control over what they allow on, how they allow it. Um, It's just much more of a closed platform. So meeting their guidelines, meeting their requirements um, takes a lot more time and effort. Okay, got that. Got it, got it. I, somehow that makes intuitive sense to me. But I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just I wasn't just assuming. You might remember, Isaac, that I started my human capital career, gosh, almost 20 years ago as an IT recruiter. And, and mind you, you would not want me anywhere near a computer or anywhere near technology today because I, that is not my competency. But I used to love to be able to hear how people were working with technology to be able to solve business problems. And that's how I started this space. So... Uh, that's part of the reason I, I gravitated to ask you more about that question to peel that back a little bit further. I wish I had your mindset. I just don't. <laughs> um, um, the other thing I want to get, speaking of social media, and I'm just really wondering, obviously you and I are doing a radio show conversation about this, but I'm wondering how you're evangelizing or marketing Trigger Gift. What are you doing to, to let people know about who you are and what you're up to? Yeah, Um Good question. It kind of ties back in the fact that I just mentioned we hadn't taken VC money yet, investment money. Um, getting your message out is expensive. It's It can be really cost prohibitive. Uh, so we've been creative. We Meeting people like you, you know, out and about, hit your network, um, try and get in places. We're fortunate that we um, just kind of have a, a, a unique voice and a unique thing that we're doing so we get, we've gotten a lot of uh, really good press that most people would pay a lot for to be on yahoo and mashable and a couple other big really big uh, platforms um but we just hit the social media all the time that's where most of our budget goes our discretionary mm-hmm. budget uh and just trying to tell people here's what we do here's how we do it it's that simple um i wouldn't say it's gone viral but we haven't had to spend a lot of money um compared to competitors especially uh, or other people in the industry for our voice to get out there you got to be creative yeah and you have to work you have to go out there and keep hit your network shake hands meet people tell them what you're doing just over and over and over and sometimes people think hey you know what that's a really cool idea i have a radio show i have a platform why don't you come and talk about it (laughs) yeah yeah well, it strikes me. Uh, I don't. I can't think of too many times when I've when I've done this. But um, you know, considering that this is a, a show that has listenership literally all over the globe, I love the fact that I can have a conversation with somebody, and there are people in China, and Japan, and Malaysia, and India, and South America listening to this. Um, and that sometimes they interact and call in or they reach out and say, hey, I know somebody should be on the show. And it's just I love that whole global reach piece of it. So knowing right. that this show is, is, is listened to across the globe, what would you say that listeners might do to help if they were so inclined or wanted to get involved somehow? What could they do? You could go to our Twitter page and retweet stuff. You can like things. Or if you have any 
any nonprofit that you are passionate about, send them an email and tell them to join Trigger Give. That that would be the biggest thing. And that then you could give publicly, you could raise funds, raise awareness, get their name out there. And one, one cool aspect about Trigger is that you're not just sending a, don- a donation, but every time you tweet that out, other people see it. it. It's essentially free marketing for the nonprofit that you're sending money to. Mm. Okay, so this is getting yummy for me, Isaac. Okay, so what you're saying then is obviously anybody who's listening, if they're connected to an organization they believe in, they want to see that organization grow, they want to see the, the coffers being stoked a bit, or, or they want to just raise awareness about it, that they, they would benefit by letting their organization know about Trigger Give. So I know on, on, on uh, Twitter you're just at Trigger Give. Oh, that's Correct. easy. Yeah, that's easy. Okay, I, I really like that. And most of us, not most of us, but many of us do some kind of volunteer work where we're connected to some organization that we care about and we spend our off time connected to. And I'm I'm probably connected to, I'd say, 10 of those organizations. Um, and I got to believe that many of our listeners are connected to at least one. So that's great advice, Isaac. Thank you for that. That was, I, I, I wasn't going to get there on my own. So thanks. <laughs> All right, well, let's grab a short little break here before we go into the last segment here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Isaac Alfton, who is the founder and CEO of TriggerGive, which is an online social media-driven mechanism that makes giving to your favorite charities even easier. He joins today from Dallas, Texas. After the break, we'll get more into some of the lessons he's learned along the way of being an entrepreneur, as well as more of what he's up to there at TriggerGive. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A L I S E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Isaac Alfton, who is the founder and CEO of Trigger Give. After one too many annoying political posts showing up on his social media feeds, he decided to do something about it. After being frustrated at nonstop political cheap shots on his social media feed, instead of replying with a witty comment, he just made a donation to the opposing side. And that idea turned into Trigger Give, which lets users donate directly to nonprofits by simply using hashtags on social media. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Isaac, um, for this last bit here, I wanted to give our listeners a little bit of, of some of your lessons learned. You are um, kind of a serial entrepreneur, and you've kind of gotten into this just because you, you sort of needed to because of where the marketplace was. And I know you've learned a ton. Um, and it's not easy to be a business owner, let alone an entrepreneur, for sure. So for the benefit of our listeners who are maybe trying to start their own business, they're trying to sharpen their own business prowess, can you tell us a few of the important lessons you've learned along the way? Yeah, um, man, that question could take up the whole 45 minutes for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, hit us. Um, I think you kind of have to separate two things, like traits and skills. Um, if you want to start a business, any business, I don't care if you're making widgets in your garage or consulting, you have money coming in, going out, you need you need some basic skills of business. You need to understand simple accounting, some simple concepts of econ, supply and demand, how to price things, marketing. And those are skills you learn. You know, you could read a book. You don't have to get an MBA. Um, YouTube, there's Udemy. There's a million great resources to get the, the simple understanding and skills um, of how to be successful entrepreneur. Um, but the, the traits are as important, if not more, I think, um, if you can't take risk and like gut wrenching risk, probably best if you don't, you know, jump in with both feet and quit your job. Uh, if you're not willing to work 24 <laughs> seven, probably might not be for you. Um, if you're not flexible and willing to learn new skills, push your comfort level, be really uncomfortable um, I, I wouldn't recommend being an entrepreneur and maybe the biggest one, if you're not a humble person, I know it might sound kind of goofy. Most entrepreneurs outwardly might not seem humble, but if you're not a humble person, I think you, you have a high chance of failure at being an entrepreneur because you're constantly making the wrong decisions. And if you're not humble and can say, you know what, we have to pivot, we have to change we made a mistake here. Let's fix it. Why did we make that mistake? What can we do better? Um, you're going to be a, a huge failure. So hard work, flexible, and humble, I think are three things you just, you need. And on top of that, the skills, but those are, those are easy to come by if, if you have the time and effort to, you know, a couple hours a day, watch some YouTube and just get a basic understanding or something. 
All right, let's peel back a few of the things that you talked about there, Isaac. So first things first, YouTube. Oh, my gosh, what a great resource. Uh, I I personally, I do something on YouTube almost every single day because what I do is when I'm in the morning getting ready with my shower and my hair and my makeup, whatever, I have a a video or an audiobook going on for my language languages. That's how I work on my Spanish, Portuguese, French, and Italian. So every single day I hit YouTube. So for our listeners out there, every day when they're out there getting ready or driving or something, or they could be listening to something that could give them some information about how to develop their business. I think that is a brilliant piece of advice. Isaac, thank you for that. Um, and you're right. You don't have to get an MBA program these days to get some amazing information. Um, now, what about separating traits and skills? Say more about that. What do you mean separate traits from skills? I, I think it takes two sides, both sides. You could you could have an MBA from Wharton and be a terrible entrepreneur if you're not willing to learn, you're not flexible, and you're arrogant. You might be a good high-level, you know, A-type employee somewhere, but I don't think you're going to be a good entrepreneur. Um. You need you need the mix of the knowledge of the skills and then of the traits. If you're not flexible, if you're not willing to be uncomfortable and stressed out, and you're not a good risk taker or can at least manage your risk and deal with it, uh, it might be might be best just to stay at your regular nine to five job. Yeah, I got that. Totally get that and appreciate the distinction there. Okay, so risk. Talk to me about risk. I I I really don't know how risky I how risk averse I might be. I've been in business for myself for years. I do currently work for a firm. I have no idea. I'm sure there are probably assessments out there that could tell me how risk averse or embracing I might be. But can you help us understand how how might our listeners be able to tell if they're risk adverse? Man, that's a difficult question, kind of. Uh, if you think about it and it makes you throw up, <laughs> you're probably <laughs> probably a little too much risk for you. Okay. Um, you know, everyone's different, and everyone's different at different stages in their life. Uh, I've got kids now. My risk level, my risk tolerance is slightly different than it was um, eight years ago before I had additional responsibilities and mortgage and stuff. Um but it's just the risk versus reward. Uh, do you think it'll be worth it? But if, if someone's interested, one of your listeners is start, wants to start a business, I say go for it. If, if you think you have the traits and you don't have to be some crazy hair on fire, you know, stereotype entrepreneur or something, you can do it with less risk. Uh, save up money, keep your job, do it on the side and scale slowly, grow slowly. Um, Entrepreneurship comes in all different shapes and sizes. You don't, you know, you don't have to quit your job and burn all your bridges. So you can, you can certainly mitigate your risk. I absolutely appreciate you distinguishing there's a, that there's a spectrum there. I really appreciate that. I think our listeners will too. Um, this whole notion about, I think you said, oh, so being uncomfortable. So, uh, that is probably related to the, the risk thing too. But say more about that being uncomfortable. Do you mean because you don't know? Because you're you're walking on like an earthquake type platform that's ever moving and not sure where it's going when it's going to stop. What do you mean by being uncomfortable? No one is an expert in every industry in every topic 
in every field, even that you should know. I'm, I'm not an expert in accounting, finance, marketing, operations, HR, um, but there are just things that you have to deal with all the time running a business and, you know, trying to grow and expand and learn. And you just wind up being uncomfortable all the time, or you should be, because you don't, you don't know the answers. So it's kind of how you react with that uncomfortableness. I don't like not knowing. So when I'm uncomfortable, I try and find the right answer. And if I don't, you know, know where to find it, I'll ask someone. And that, that's part of, I think my humility is really important. I'm being a, a successful entrepreneur. Um, you need to know when to say, wow, I really don't know. Let's try and find the right answer. Or, you know what, you're right. That's totally right, because I'm not the expert here. So let's make a change to this or that. And I would also think along that humility line then too, Isaac, it's just that place of just saying, man, I need help. Can you help me? Yep, 100%. That's really, really, I can't stress how important that is. Yeah, I really get that. I've learned that along the along the my along the way of my life very very slowly, um, but, but it, once I finally got it, it wasn't that hard. Now I ask for help all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just gotten easier once you once you once you start that muscle. Um, so along those lines, then just thinking about what you, what lessons you learned along the way, anything you do differently had you known otherwise? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of touched on uh, already. Uh, I would have done more real in-depth market research along the way. Um, yep. It's easy to ride like a good wave of press and positive reception. When we launched everyone, I mean, we had 10,000 or something uh, social media comments on all the news articles that came out and they were all positive. Everyone's like, wow, this is so cool. And they tagged a friend and it's really easy to get wrapped up and think, yeah, this, this is awesome, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but, I, but I didn't do enough research into my customers who I thought they were. And turns out I was wrong. You know, um, if you think you have the best idea, you might, but look at all your options. Every step you have to take running a business, you have a hundred options, research every single one because you might have to circle back around to it eventually. And I didn't do that. You know, I, I should have known earlier that, the, the revenue model to begin with wasn't ideal and that the, what we have now is infinitely better for a thousand reasons. But when people heard the bigger concept and idea, they said, yeah, this is awesome. But it turns out buried down in the, you know, details was one thing that really held us back. And I would have known that had I paid more attention or done you know more, getting- you know, real hard work due diligence. Yeah, I'm really getting the importance of just really making sure that you don't just try to affirm what you think you already know when you're out there looking for data, too. I get that, too. Um, yeah, definitely. We're getting close to having to finish up here. So if you could, maybe, like, say, in a minute or two, can you just, um, what advice might you offer to our listeners who are maybe considering starting some other, their own online offering, their own business? What What might you say to them? Sure. Well, I, don't, I hope I didn't sound too critical before hold anyone back um there's nothing more rewarding than taking in like an idea in your head and bringing it all the way from that crazy idea that you told someone about yeah to a product that people are actually putting money in your hand for um yeah i don't it doesn't matter what scale it's at if you do that you're an entrepreneur and it's that dollar is worth so much more than the dollar you get for 
going to your cubicle, I think. Um, I would encourage everyone, if they have a desire to build your widget and sell it, to do it. Take the risk that you're comfortable with. So maybe don't quit your job, but learn. Do your homework. Take small steps, baby steps. Start at a small scale. Um, You certainly have to know yourself. Uh, However much time and money you think you need, probably triple it. That's just kind of goes without saying, but it's true. Yeah, got and that. A lot more time, time, effort, and resources than you than you could imagine. Um, quickly, one more point would be: whatever your thing is, make it as simple as possible while you build it out and launch. the The, the idea of a minimal viable product just we could have built Trigger with a thousand extra features that we wanted to, but we kept it simple because everything else bogs down your time, your resources during launch. So if you have an idea for your widget or service, drill it down to that one thing that you do that's awesome, that's better than other people. Build that out, start that as your company, and then with time, then add your features, then add your additional. Oh, we do this too, we do this too, it does that. Great. To start, just just find the one thing, your one competitive advantage and kill that. Otherwise, you, you end up, you can get drowned. That is brilliant advice, Isaac. Brilliant advice. Well worth the price of admission today. Um, all right. Well, I always like to give uh, my, my guests the last word, if you will. So my last question is usually very similar. I just want to make sure that you get the chance to be able to leave our listeners with whatever you think is important for them to know. What would you like to make sure that you impart to them before we dash? I would love it if people knew, if you have an idea to be an entrepreneur, go for it. Like I just said, it, you can do it at any scale. Uh, if you have a problem and you think you have a solution and you can turn that problem solution into revenue, into money, somehow into value, go for it. I mean, if nothing else, do the research and look into it and try and prove yourself wrong of why this won't work, why this is a bad idea. And maybe you figure out, eh, okay, that was, that was kind of a dumb idea because it would be impossible to make money. But even that is part of the learning process, part of the entrepreneur process. i I've shot down so many of my own ideas because after an honest assessment, they were dumb ideas that couldn't have made money. But eventually you'll do the process enough and figure it out that when you have something, like, hey, I've already been through this. I, I know step one, two, and three. This is pretty cool. I would, I would just really encourage anyone that has, I don't know, any passion for it to go for it. I'm not, not saying take a mortgage on your house and, you know, have a startup and put yourself in a really bad financial position or something, but look into it more. Why not? There's no reason not to. I really appreciate that perspective, Isaac, because I am, what's the name of the show? Working on purpose. And I am interested in hearing what is it that people ache to do in their lives? What is it that they really need to do for them to feel like they did this life? And I, so I think that's fantastic advice. And I want to thank you for being on Working on Purpose. It's wonder, It's been wonderful to talk with you, be inspired by you, and hear about what you're doing at Trigger Gives. So thanks for being with us. Right, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. appreciate it. You're welcome. So if you want to learn more about Isaac Alfton and the work he and his team are doing at Trigger Give, go to their website. It's just TriggerGive.com. You can also go to Twitter. They are Trigger Give on Twitter as well. Next week, we'll be on the air with Suzanne Brown, who is the founder and author of Mom Powerment, and we'll be talking about how to empower and support working moms in the workplace. See you then. Remember that work is at least one third of our life, so let's work on purpose. 
hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.